Welcome back to Like to Know It Influencer Radio. I'm your host, Amber Vins Box. Today, I have the honor of speaking with four fearless women who are leading a movement. Nikki, Megan, Shay, and Brandy of the influencer group Influencing in Color. Each woman began her journey in the influencer world independently and all have achieved success in their own right. So when their paths crossed at reward style events and influencer events back in 2018, they joined forces to build Influencing in Color, or IIC, a platform that inspires, enlightens, and provides a positive, inclusive digital space for everyone of all backgrounds with a focus specifically on women of color. This fierce girl gang connected through a shared desire to create and encourage positive connections between women, and they choose to lead by example. They noticed a lack of representation in the influencer industry, but instead of complaining, they came together and embraced the opportunity to build a new brand and business with beautiful content that combines their audiences for authentic conversation, support, and dedicated community. I'm pleased to introduce you to my friends, Nikki, Megan, Shay, and Brandy of Influencing in Color. Shay, what was it like growing up in Duncanville, Texas? Duncanville is a small town, suburb, I guess you call it, in Dallas. And I live literally like off of Ledbetter, which is in Oak Cliff. So everyone, Oak Cliff, Texas, whoop, whoop. But I loved it. We moved from Irving, Texas to Duncanville when I was like six. And my parents bought a house. We were the only house on the block when we first moved there. And it was like... It was a new life for me because we lived in an apartment. And I was like, oh, my God, my parents made it. We got a little house. You know, like it was really exciting. But then I had to drive an hour to school back to Irving every single day. So that was a very annoying. And what was your family life like? What were you interested in as a child? I have always been a creative my whole entire life. I liked fashion, but most importantly, like I loved interior design. I wanted to be an interior designer. I wanted to redo my entire room. Well, I really did my entire room literally every other week. My mom would come home and be like, did you move your whole entire bed and dresser? And I was like, yeah, I redid my whole room. Can I paint, please? And she's like, no, you can't paint. You don't have money for paint. But I just always been a creative. I love to move things around. I love colors. I love to paint. I love texture. I love patterns. What was your personality type at school? I was a cheerleader. I ran track. I was very active in school. I went to Bishop Dunn Catholic School um, in Oak Cliff. So even though I'm not Catholic, one of the things I loved about Catholic school was like they embraced me for who I am and my culture and everything like that. So yeah. And then did you decide to go to school after high school? Yeah. So college was never an option for me. Like it was like, no, you're going. And so I said, I want to originally go to school in California. And my mom was like, no, it's too far away. So I ended up going to the University of Houston and I studied consumer science and merchandising, um, which is kind of like the fashion side of business. And then where did you take that professionally? I actually worked in retail for 10, 11 years and was in retail management. Yeah. And then today, you're not only working, but you also have a family. Tell us a little bit about your squad. Oh, my God. That's my favorite part of my life. Okay, so I'm married. Uh, We've been married seven years this year in November, so next month. Um, And we have three beautiful little babies. They're four, three, and one. So I stay very busy. All of their names start with an A. So I get them all confused all the time. I'm like you, Amber. We have three kids. I think our kids are like around the same age, right? They are the same age. Yeah. Yeah, So, you know, it's like very hectic, a lot of whining and crying. But there's like fun times, too. So they're always like, Mommy, Mommy, you're going on the airplane today. I'm like, yeah, but I'm coming back. Don't worry. But yeah. So how have you been able to handle motherhood with also having your own business and then now influencing in color? You know what? I have the best support system. Like my husband honestly is amazing. He takes care of the house, the kids. He works like everything and allows me to follow my dreams and do everything I want to do. And he's been like that since day one. So honestly, without him, I would not be able to like juggle anything that I do. Where'd you find him? 
Well, my mom said that she knew he was coming. She prayed about him a long time ago before I ever met him. But true story, we met at Abercrombie and Fitch. We were both managers there, and our district manager hooked us up. And she would be like, Shay, you need to go to lunch with Ahmad. He's so nice. I'm like, I don't want to go to lunch with him. And then I randomly took him to Dallas. Like, we always tell the story, like, we were never girlfriend, boyfriend. We were just friends. And then he proposed. My dad's like, hey, Ahmad's going to propose to you. And I'm like, he's going to do what? And then we kind of got married. So, How old were you when all this was happening? Um, 25. Yeah. So fairly young. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like your dad liked him. My dad loved him because he hunts with him. So my he's like the son my dad ever had. I think he kind of likes him more than he likes me. That's a good problem to have. I think Baxter's parents like me. Or at least he tells me they like me more than they like him. It's, it's probably true. It's an in-law thing. At what point did you start your blog? It started actually as, it's kind of two parts. So when Ahmad proposed to me, he gave me a camera. And he was like, you're going to start your blog. You're going to be consistent. And then I kind of was like on and off. And then grad school, for my thesis, it had to be like, we had to have like a business project. You had to come up with something. I was like, oh, I'll just do my blog again. It'll be Shea Monet. It's already kind of started. I can ace this class because like the hard part's already done. And I just kind of ran with it because I started getting traction. People started following me. And I was like, okay, now I really got to be consistent with this. But it didn't end up being my thesis project. But I kept I kept going with it. How long have you been blogging? On and off for the past four years or so. And you started with a blog? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I used to have a blog in college with a friend. It was called Style on a Mal. And, um, what does I, that mean? So we were broke college students. So we were styling on a broke dime. <laughs> So it was style on the mouth, something we just came up with. And then after that, I felt like my name kind of had like a ring to it. My real name, my government name, as everyone say, is Tasha. That's what Megan always calls me. But no one ever could say Tasha, so I was just like Shay. And then my middle name is Monet. And so do you technically have an Insta husband? I have the Insta husband. Ladies, you need to find an Ahmad. I'm just playing. Where can we find him on Instagram? What's his handle? It is at Sweenshots, and he takes all of our pictures. Was he a photographer before you started the blog, or this is something he's developed? This is something he's developed. He may or may not have taken one of my photography classes in grad school. I cannot confirm or deny that. So, Megan, your story is a little bit different. I want to hear, what was it like growing up as Megan? Growing up as Megan, I was the youngest of five. So two brothers, two sisters, um, always had a dog in the family in the house. My dad, actually, he's retired now, but he worked in oil and gas for like 36 years. My mom has always been an educator. And so it was just always fun, like having two brothers that had a side of like tomboy-ish, you know, with to me. And then like my sisters, like they both had these amazing voices that they can like sing really well. And then there was just me, just like the creative person that just loved shopping and styling. And so growing up with two brothers, I always like loved to play outside with them. I didn't care if I was like running around scraping my knees. And then my sisters would always like look up to me for fashion advice, even though I was like the youngest of the pack. It just kind of worked out. I'm from a small town called Beaumont. Um, Big Money, Texas is what they actually call it. So you, you're probably familiar if you're like driving to Louisiana from uh, from Texas, you'll you'll always pass through Beaumont. There's really no other way that you can go. And so it's about an hour east of Houston. Um, There's one mall in Beaumont. So me working in retail was just like kind of like the thing to do. Um, If you weren't in retail, then you were in the restaurant industry or you in oil and gas. So it was just really interesting growing up because you kind of like made the city your own. Like whatever you did there, you just kind of made it your own. You kind of like just did what you had to do. And that's kind of like what my what my parents did. A lot of people that are in the city are like educators or in oil and gas or retail. So it's always been interesting because I've kind of been challenged in a way. I feel like I've always kind of like stuck out from my interest and the things that I like to do. I don't like to sit and be comfortable with where I am. I kind of like a challenge for myself and just kind of push myself beyond convenience. And so I just kind of like challenge myself to move to a different city and kind of like start over and start something fresh and different. What did you do after you moved out of your childhood home? Did you go to college? I did. I went to college for a little bit right after high school. I kind of took a break because I kind of felt like I just wanted to figure it out and 
think of like what it is that I really wanted to start and what I wanted to do. And so I started school at Lamar University. I literally only went there for like two semesters and I wasn't into it. I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling inspired. Um, I knew that I've always wanted to study fashion, but I didn't know exactly like where it could take me. But I just kind of knew going to that school, that's not where I could be fulfilled. Um, And so I kind of like just told my parents that I wanted to leave that school and then I wanted to start school at the Art Institute, like where I could be more um, inspired and around the things that I love to do and the students that are also into what I'm into that can also teach me and I can teach them. And so that's kind of like when I realized that I need to leave Beaumont or in regular college. Did you always know that you wanted to work in the fashion industry? I did. Yeah, I've always been into fashion ever since I was a little girl. My mom and my grandma would always take me shopping. Um, My favorite thing to do was, like, shop at Payless. Like, I didn't care where. As long as I was buying clothing and shoes, like, I was extremely happy for that. And it just kind of stuck with me. Like, personal style has always been kind of, like, my thing. So it's just, I'm so glad to be able to have this, like, as a career, working in it. Like, my first job was at a retail store. Um, I think, actually, Abercrombie was, like, my first job, too. But I've always just been in sales and, you know, in retail and not anymore, but I've just always been so into fashion and I could just never leave it. It's funny you talk about Payless. Growing up, there was a Payless on the corner by my house. And when they had the BOGO signs, I could always get my mom to go in and buy shoes. So I totally identify with this, you know, the collection of clothing and and being able to get your parents and family members on board with that. Yeah, my grandma would always, if my mom said no, if I wanted something, my grandma would always just slide me a $20 bill and just like, hey, just get it. Don't tell your mom. I'm like, great. Thank you, grandma. So we always had that like special relationship because grandma knew. Grandma knew that I was going to be a big fashion person someday. So what did you do in high school? Were you into sports or was it always art? I've always been creative. I did dance for a little bit. That didn't last very long. Um, in middle school, I was actually doing volleyball for a little bit. That didn't last as long. I just always just been this like fashion person. Like even at school, I would win um, awards like best dress for this year or whatever. And I actually like used to design clothing. I used to design T-shirts. So that's something that's always kind of like stuck with me too. And people kind of got to know me for that. They're like. Uh, Megan, um, these new shoes are coming out. Can you design a shirt for me to go with the shoes? Or can you design an outfit for me to, you know, wear to this dance that we're going to? And I just kind of like created a name, an image for myself, just by being myself and being creative and being this fashion driven person everywhere that I went. At what point did you start publishing online? I would say 2011, like when I first moved to Houston, my brother lived there before I did. So I kind of lived with him for a little bit and I would just get him to take photos of me on my little, I don't even know what iPhone was out back then, but he would just like take random outfit photos and I would upload those to my blog. I've always had the name Style for Breakfast. So I knew that I wanted to brand in some way, somehow. I just didn't know. So I would just like upload photo outfits. And then I kind of stopped blogging for a while because I wasn't too um, serious about it. Um, I just kind of did it as a hobby. Like when I could do it, I would do it. And then now, like I rebranded, took a few years off, kind of like rebranded my whole website. Style for Breakfast name stuck with me, and so I've just kind of, like, started developing on it and building on it ever since, like, 2015, I would say, after I finished school. What made you come back to blogging? I just knew that I loved it, and I remember when Instagram was not a social media app. I remember when it was literally an app that you used to edit photos. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. And so ever since then, I knew that I loved images. I I loved posting images. I loved editing images. I loved sharing my outfits, of course. So I just knew that me putting myself out there for what I loved would kind of take off. And I'm like, I should really do this. And I used to attend like conferences that were helping you develop your brand. And this is like back in when I was like right out of college. So like this is stuff that I knew that I wanted to do, but I was just kind of like slowly trying to learn about it and get into it. Were you working during this time or were you fully focused on the blog? I was always working. Fortunately, like I I didn't really have to in college or in school because, you know, I'm blessed to have my parents that have already supported me in that aspect. But I just worked because I wanted to. So working at the clothing stores, I 
knew that I got a discount so I can get more clothes to show and post. So that's why I did it because it was fun and I loved being around the clothes and um, just being in the mall. That's something that I've always loved. So I just, I've always had a retail job growing up. You're still working today. Still working today full time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but not retail, you're actually in the online space. I'm in the online space. Um, I'm a social media coordinator for a beauty brand. And it's so good because now I get to learn a lot more from the back end and bring that to my personal development as well. So, yeah. The beauty world's actually a little bit, people think of um, influencing as, you know, like fashion, beauty, lifestyle, and it's all the same and has the same tools. But actually, there's a lot of nuanced differences between those categories. And so, what have you found in the beauty space that's maybe different from fashion, which has been kind of your own carved out niche? It takes a lot of confidence for sure. Um, most people that are in beauty, they are constantly in front of the camera, you know, doing makeup routines, skincare routines, really taking their followers from the in, the, the out, like everything. They're showing everything raw. Like I know, Brandy is really great at beauty because it's it takes a lot of courage and for you to be able to like take a selfie or just really be up and close like with your audience and personable with them and show them like, hey, this is a real me with no makeup and this is how I look when I take this off versus, you know, being in fashion where you're literally just taking a full body photo kind of far away. People can't really see the real you or, you know, that even really looks like you in person. Um just beauty alone, I, I think it's been an interesting space to learn about just because you see different types of things. You see different types of beauty personalities. Like there's so much out there that's so different in the beauty world versus fashion. Brandy, your experience growing up was, was very different from everybody else. Can you tell us about that? Yes, I can. Um, growing up, um, I'm the, the only like native Houstonian in the room, you know, H-Town all the way. And um, I grew up in a really big family. I mean, big to me. We're a family of six. You know, my mom and dad and siblings. I have an older sister and two younger brothers. So there was always, um, and of course, like we were a big family. We didn't have a lot, but we always made things to do. We were always kind of getting in trouble with each other, together, separately, just kind of saving each other (laughs) from situations here and there. Um, But really close like we ate dinners together which I like found out that not a lot of people (laughs) do or still do Um, but every meal we had was sit down at the table together you know turn the tv off it was a very our parents really like pulled us in and made us really stay um, connected as we were young so what part of Houston did you grow up in third ward the tray (laughs) Um, again it was a um, and it's being you know changed and developed right now but it was a neighborhood where you know people who didn't have a lot that's where we lived and we had a really great experiences you know there of course we were little and we didn't know that we didn't have a lot we always had delicious food my mom cooked everything from scratch super delicious taught us all how to cook like all of us can cook like throw down cook (laughs) and so what um, do you cook what don't I cook I can make anything and I can also now make it really healthy. You've <laughs> never cooked for us. I got you. I got you. The new house is for, you know, having p- dinner parties and all that kind of stuff. Um, but um, she, my mom was this super, and my dad can cook really well too, but he was always like really busy. And she took the time to teach us all how to cook. So, you know, we didn't have to depend on anyone for a meal or anything. And then, of course, there are four of us, like somebody has to help and cook, you know doing dishes at the house was always like, oh, it's my day to do dishes. There are six people. Everybody had a glass, a fork, a spoon, and then my dad would cook up a storm and use every pot in the house. Dads do that. Oh, my gosh. It's like you have to cook and wash and go and cook it and wash it and go, like keep the routine. But um, it was a really fun time growing up, and my mom was always this really resourceful woman who – taught us how to be creative and make things we would she taught us how to make um doll clothes for our barbies and how to hand sew like buttons I can like sew a button do a hem like whatever anything like it's very like home very homey you know home ecky um all the things she taught us but things like that we still love and still learn and do today things that we can teach you know that I can teach my son and I feel like that's almost where I got the idea of that I can like do stuff and make stuff and I don't have to necessarily buy it. And 
I guess now I can see that it was out of necessity. Like, it's not like we were going out to eat as a family of six with, you know, two growing boys and like two, you know, my sister and I, like, we can put away some food too. So um, it was really, I see now that in hindsight, it was like a budget thing, probably, you know, you're not taking all these people out to eat, um, make something, do something fun at home. We're not going to, you know, Chuck E. Cheese to, you know, spend money or do whatever. But that really taught me really early on that you can just make, create, do. And I like learned it all from my mom. Totally. She, she made you guys feel so capable. Mm -hmm. I have a question. The third ward is, is known for being a dangerous place. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they say that on an annual basis, one in 13 people will be a victim of a violent crime. Mm -hmm. Is that something that played a role in your life or were you aware of that or did it impact you? Like I said, um, we, I, I felt like growing up, it, I was in a bubble. We walked to school every day. We hung out outside all the time. And I never can recall or felt like I was in danger or that anything bad was going to happen to me or my family. Like, we were, we were an outside family. We were riding bikes. We, and it's really uh, close to one of the most, like, the biggest parks in Houston, Herman Park. Every single Sunday, we rode our bikes to the park. It was, like, we were out and about. And I never once felt like, ooh, that you know person looks strange or like something's hor something horrible gonna happen today never never good and tell me what were you interested in in high school oh my gosh so I tried out um I tried to be like Shay at one time in my life and I tried to cheer and that lasted for a year that didn't that wasn't for me but I then I twirled a baton in our marching band so some people know that High school marching bands and the ones that are really, you know, a big marching band is super popular. It's like the same kind of feeling and mentality as going to historically black university. And so people come out to the games to see the band, to see the twirlers, to see the dance moves, to see us up in the stands dancing. And we have on sequence outfits and, you know, wearing our different uniforms, different uniform each week. So that was what, you know, what draw me in and what I really got into in high school. And so... I got to dance all the time. I got to twirl my baton all the time. I was constantly just, you know, just doing my thing, you know. <laughs> and that's what that's what really drew me in, you know, being that age. Did you decide to go to college? I did. Um, I actually shouldn't have, but um, not shouldn't have gone to college, but I shouldn't have followed my current husband, <laughs> my husband, Mike. We went to the same university in Abilene, Texas, um, McMurray University, just a, a little, it's a college town. There's three different universities there. And I kind of followed him out there. He wanted to play football there. And so I went and I kind of let twirling go. And they actually had like a single girl who used to just twirl, like twirl the baton by herself. And I'm just like, that's not me. I'm a squad kind of girl. I need my people with me, you know, shaking it with their uniforms on too. Like, I don't want to just be out there by myself shaking it. So I didn't pursue that any further and I kind of I try to stay connected through you know some of the arts in college my first job in high school was actually face painting at Astro World which is you know now closed but that was really like you know a fun thing to do as a young person and then when I went to college you know I did some art classes I took pottery and so kind of over the years I try to stay connected to something creative which you know ended up just being fun you know along the way. Did you go straight into a creative industry after school? I did not. My degree is actually in business, but when I graduated, I got my first uh, business job. I was a records administrator for an oil and gas company in Houston, and it was not my, my jam. It was not my cup of tea. It was not fun. I had a cubicle, and it was me and my computer and all these records, and at the time, the company was trying to take all of their files to digital, and so being the young person at the company, that was my job, so I would... Anything new I was taking in and then I was going back into the old files and, and putting them in the database and maintaining every registration, every this, every that for the entire company. And it was a lot and it was really boring. Um, I mean, I'd be thinking, why did I go to school for know, data entry? No, I mean, and that wasn't my intent. But, you know, graduating, I wanted a job right away. Absolutely. So I can pay for my life and, you know, move out of my parents' house because, you know, that's not fun when you're trying to be grown. Got to move out the house. So um, just keeping that in mind, I took that job. And shortly after that, I got laid off from the company. Um, they did a layoff and I was the last to come in. So first to leave. And um, in between that time, I would kind of have lunch with my coworkers, one of my really great friends who's passed away now. Um, he and his wife, we would all eat lunch together. And she was a teacher. 
And she said, um, you know, they talked to me, how, how, what kind of schedule do you want to have? Do you want to have some time off? Do you want to have Christmas off? Do you want, you know, and they kind of talked me into just even considering being you know, an educator, which I had never, ever, it was never on my radar, like ever, ever. Um, and that same summer of getting laid off from that company, I went and got my teacher certification and I started teaching the same fall and now I've been teaching for nine years. Never looked back. Nikki, you grew up in Texas. I did. I'm um was born in a small town called Seguin, Texas. It's about thirty miles right outside of San Antonio. I ten west. And in your house it was lots of girls. There were a lot of girls. I was um raised my parents were divorced when I was two, so I really never lived with my dad. But um it was me and my mother. We call ourselves the three musketeers. <laughs> and uh my grandmother lived in Seguin, so we did a lot of back and forth staying with my grandmother or her coming to San Antonio to take care of us. What were your interests as a young child? So when I was really little, I wanted to be a veterinarian, like really badly. Like I still, me and Megan connect on our connection with dogs. I have two dogs. Now I do. One is actually my grandmother passed away and I have one of her dogs. So I have two dogs now. And then after that, um, I got involved in sports and I was always really athletic. So um, going from middle school to high school, high school, um, I lettered in volleyball as a sophomore. I played club volleyball like big time through high school. And I always thought I was going to graduate, go to college. And um, I really thought I was going to play in the Olympics. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) Well, life happened. And um, I just got, I guess, through my time in high school, um, I found out my mother had an addiction. And she was actually fired from one of her jobs. And it caused uh, my home life to just kind of go out the window. You know, so my sister was in college here in Houston and I was still in high school and we just, you know, we were getting evicted from our apartments and all that kind of stuff. So college and all goals and everything became like not even secondary, like the last thing to think about. Yeah. From a human need perspective. Right. I can see how that wouldn't be a focus. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. So did you end up dropping out of school or did you say in school? Well, I ended up, I mean, it was during my probably junior and senior year of high school, I did a lot of not going to school, not participating. I would, I would show up at school like half the day. I knew based on um, the rules to play in the game (laughs) for the day that I had to be at school for half the day. So since I didn't have a lot of the supervision needed that a child in 11th grade should have, I would come to school at lunch, attend my last class, and then my last period class was volleyball. So I would go for that half of the day, and then I would be able to play in the game. So needless to say, my grades were not good. I ended up having to go to night school to graduate from high school. I did not have, um, it wasn't about me not being intelligent or anything. I just really didn't have the supervision that and the guidance that I needed at home at that time. And I, uh, I wanted to go to college. I, want, I knew I wanted to go to an HBCU, a historically black college. I knew that. And I wanted to go to Howard so badly. I wanted to go to Howard. But then once I applied, I realized something I didn't know is that you have to have a GPA to go. You would think that somebody would know that or somebody would have told me that, but I really did not know. So when I moved to Houston, I moved to Houston to stay with my sister because she was already in Houston. And when I got here, I needed to go to college. I wanted to go. So I ended up going to TSU because they have open enrollment. You did not have to have a certain GPA to go to that college. And that's how I ended up at TSU. What was it about Howard that made you want to go there? I mean, like when I saw it on TV, first of all, really, it was like Puff Daddy, P. Diddy. Everything I saw about him was like, oh, my God, I have to go to that school. Like, it just looks so cool. And in my experience in San Antonio, it's a predominantly Hispanic community. So I wasn't around a lot of people that looked like me. And every time I would come to Houston, there was just like this presence of of people that looked like me. And I just didn't experience that in San Antonio. And I knew that I wanted to go somewhere where I felt like that. So Houston was like the closest thing I could get to. After school, what did you decide to do? I did not finish school. (laughs) Unlike everybody else's story, (laughs) 
I'm a college dropout. I call it that. I mean, I poke fun at that, but I did. I dropped out of college because um, financially I just couldn't afford it. I went to school. The only way I was able to afford to go to school was on Pell Grants or student loans, and I used half of my um, refund check. What I would do is I would get my refund check that paid for school, and then I would take the other half of it, which was probably about, I don't know, like $4,000, and I would pay my rent for a year. And then I would try to go to school based on that. And I would also work. I worked like two or three jobs in addition to going to school. And that became way too much. I couldn't focus on anything. So I eventually just for life and to keep myself afloat, I just dropped out of school and went to work. Where'd you go work? Like everybody else, except for Brandy, a retail Retail is where I went, and that's where I think I kind of found a love. My first job was actually at Victoria's Secret, and I worked there for a while and kind of worked my way up, and I've had several retail jobs in between them, but Victoria's Secret was my first, like, real job. It feels like life has fast-forwarded because now you have these beautiful little babies that we get to see all the time. So when did all that happen? So maybe, I don't know, I'm older than everybody, so my um, life doesn't happen in the teens. I got married. <laughs> Megan's like, I went to college in 2011. I'm like, yeah, I was married in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, we got married in 2009. I met my husband out somewhere. He's a DJ in Houston, and um, I ended up meeting him out. And fast forward, like, I don't know, like a year or so, I got engaged Um, Got married in 2009, had my son in 2010, had my daughter in 2014. We love watching them on your site and in your photos. They are the most beautiful children ever. Thank you. So when did you launch your site in the midst of all of this? In the midst of all of that, I ended up launching my site, one, because when my daughter, I actually, let me backtrack a little bit. One of my retail jobs was at like a big store, like local business in Houston, and I ended up getting fired from there. And I was pregnant at the time. I was five months pregnant. I had told them that I was pregnant. And within about two months, they fired me. And I ended up saying, you know, I've got these two kids. Why would I go back to work and basically work to pay somebody else to keep my kids? That doesn't really make any sense. So my husband and I decided that I would stay at home until my daughter ended up going to school. So for three years, I was a legit stay-at-home mom, like hair, baking cookies, like PTA, (laughs) all of that. So while I was at home, I I know that a lot of moms, like, I, I didn't love staying at home. I didn't love it. I loved, you know, the opportunity to be at home with my daughter and um, really be present in her life as a baby because I didn't get that with my son because I was at work. But it just was not fun. Like, it was very monotonous to me. It was, like, super monotonous. I was really, like, bored getting up every day, changing diapers. It was the same thing every single day. I was really bored, and I wanted to be creative. I needed a creative outlet. I wanted to be around clothes. I wanted to be around makeup. I wanted to be around adults. So um, I couldn't figure out for a long time what I wanted to do. I, you know, like, vacillated between, like, I don't know, several different things things, several different ideas. And then I read, I think at that time it was Sincerely Jules that had a book that came out and I read a little bit about it and I was like, "Mm, I I think that's something that I could do. You know, I have the knowledge, the retail knowledge. I have all this, you know, this creativity, all this stuff. I can do that too. So I slowly started, I stopped, I started, I stopped, I did all that. I eventually went back to work because my husband actually ended up getting laid off from his job Yeah, in the midst of all that. And I ended up going back to work full time and took a retail management job. It was super, super stressful, all of that. But in the midst of that, I started my blog when I was bored at home. And when I started my job, that's when everything kind of started to take off at the same time. So I worked there. I started in June and by May... I quit to start um, blogging full-time, full-time. And, and what year was this? This was when I stopped completely. It was 2018. It's a fu- funny story, Amber. You know, I quit in May, and I think it was in maybe June or July that Reward Style contacted me about the book. And I knew at that moment that this is exactly what I was supposed to be doing. I had just quit my job. And then I get an email from Reward Style saying, hey, we want to feature you in this book. I remember exactly where I was. I was buying a car with my sister, standing in the parking lot with my sister. And I cried. Like, I cried. 
like about to cry again like tears of joy i could not like hold on. there we go thank you that makes me so happy honestly it's that's the coolest thing about all of this actually and that's why you guys are here is yeah. that when you get a group together and it becomes a movement it just provides a platform for everyone and and that's what's been so rewarding about reward style is yeah. it's truly been every single influencer locking arms and doing things together and making a movement it's nothing that we could do individually and in, in the book is that way reward style is that way I like to know it is that way and, and what you guys are doing here today which i'm really excited to, to move into to, to talk about yeah. is when you lock arms with people what's possible but uh, I'm so happy to, to hear the story yeah. about when you got the email. And I remember actually you came into the office and I hadn't actually met you yet. And I was really excited to get to spend a little time with you and hear more of your story and actually show you your page for the first time yeah. um, because we were there filming um, with NBC. Mm -hmm. actually. Yeah, it was just like it was just really it was a moment that just kind of showed me that I was on the right track. I mean, like I say, I always say this. I mean, you all always say I'm not that much older than you, but when you're like. 37 and your life is going this way and you don't really know what you're supposed to be doing and you feel like you're in a space where you're not sure what your life is actually supposed to be like and you're not sure if you're going on the right direction when you make a big leap like that like to quit your stability your insurance all that and you have kids and then you get like confirmation like it was just really a big deal well Influencing in Color was born out of this idea that inclusivity matters and you guys wanted to help other women who might feel left out or not feel included and you wanted them to have the information and the opportunity just like other women and you guys bonded together a year ago within the last week to create Influencing in Color. What was the aha moment that kicked this off? I think the aha moment was we went to Fashion Week in... Um, 2018 not long after I quit and all that other stuff but we all um, went to fashion week together and when we went to the all these separate events and everything we just started to look up and notice that like nobody looked like us and like why weren't there other women of color in all these events we were going to and secondly we weren't even invited to half of these events we had to ask to be there we actually emailed these brands and we're like hey we would love to come like we were on waiting lists didn't get confirmation until we got to new york like and there was nobody like there were we know several other women of color black female influencers and we were just wondering why aren't they here you know their content is just as great or better than some of the other girls like no shade but it's true. So we were just wondering why not. And so we just had a conversation um, about it. And we decided I had had this name, this influence and in color name, like in my head for a while. And so I told them that I had this idea. And then that was kind of it. We just kind of Shay is, you know, anytime you give her an idea, she's going to make it happen, period. If you tell her an idea, just know she's going to execute. And she did. What I love about influencing in color is that you guys could have admired the problem or complained marched boycotted said I'm not going to wear those brands I'm not going to hang out with those girls and instead you guys have taken action with a really solutions oriented approach and you know when I look at your feed not only do I want to be part of the gang and know how to stand which we're going to get to that in a minute because I'm going to learn how to look this cool in a photo um but you've made it just such a happy, beautiful place. And but it's it's more than just photos. And so I want to hear more about how are you guys bringing this to life? I saw a year ago that you guys went to an HBC and actually hosted an event for women there. Tell me a little bit about some of the things you guys have been doing. So um, a big part of Influencing in Color, um, a big component that we are proud of and that we are still developing is the give back part of it. We have a really strong community of women um, of all colors that support us. And so we want to do the same thing in return and make sure that we are giving to that community, whether it's resources, whether it's information. And that's one of the bigger things that we want to share. We want to share information, educational components. And so we are working to develop um, some other things that we can share with the community. But um, having that be kind of the cornerstone of, of what we do is super important to us. Another reason why we started Influencing Color is we don't want to wait around for a brand or for anybody to give us a place to stand on, to give us a platform, to give us a partnership or a campaign. If we all like this lipstick that we're wearing, let's just put the lipstick on and, and do our thing. And that's 
the power of of social and having these accounts and having all these different things available you can you can choose to to put out what you want to put out when you want to put it out so it really kind of handed us right back the the power of of putting things out there in a way that we want to present it another component of influencing in color is making sure that there is elevated content out there for other women of color to take in to see to be inspired by um sometimes it's like Nikki was saying, you go to places and you don't see people that look like you. And we didn't want, you know, social places, social, you know, social media or whatever to be a place where women don't go to see themselves and want to see themselves represented in a positive way, want to see the vision and the image of a black woman to be presented in an authentic way. We don't have to change a thing or do anything to ourselves other than what we really want to do to ourselves to present ourselves on our platform. So having all of those kind of be a part of the reason and like there are a thousand more reasons for why influence and in color exists. But those are some things that are really kind of at the top of the list for why it's important to us. The give back element, um, the imagery, having that imagery be readily available and out there for women of color. I mean, just so many reasons we like I could go on. You know, I, I already see that you guys modeling this behavior on Instagram is actually rubbed off. And I've also seen kind of other girl gangs start to pop up. And you guys have really shown the world what it looks like to have a beautiful presence and a really positive presence. And I've already seen people pick up on that and then model that and see themselves represented. And so then they feel like they can be a part of it. So even just what you guys are doing through imagery is, has already actually made a huge impact on the web. Why is it that you chose a positive campaign versus a negative campaign? Is there a kind of a theory or a belief system around that? I feel like, like you were saying, there's a problem and you can sit back and complain about it and, and boohoo and cry about it. Or you can you can be mache, you can execute, you can have an idea, take action and get it done. And so our approach was to let's do this and get it done. We don't have to sit around and wait. And it also doesn't have to be, you know, a smear campaign on any brand, um, on any person, on any people. We're just putting something out there that we want to see out there. So keeping it positive helps to also make the connections to our community and show, you know, show our community that positive connections between women, especially women of color, they're out there. They exist because it's not always presented in that way. Positive friendships where you are truly connected, when you're truthful and you can say things to people, say things to your friends in a positive way. You don't have to say things that are hurtful. You don't have to do anything that's going to damage someone to get your point across and to deliver your message. So I think it was really important for us to to stay on this high road um, as we kind of deliver our message and make sure that what we say is actually representative of who we are. Because we don't want we, you know, to get out there and just say, well, this brand's not doing this. Nobody wants to hear you complain. Nobody cares. Everybody has their own problems. So I like people personally who start to solve their own problem. I can't help you unless you want to help yourself. So we wanted to make sure that we collectively, um, that that message is clear in what we're presenting. Also, it's, we're solution oriented, like Brandy said, but also it's an inclusive space, not an exclusive space. The name is Influencing in Color, but, you know, although we highlight and we want to talk more about uh, making space for women of color, it's still an inclusive space. It's for everyone. So we wanted to make sure that we created a space for everyone because we felt like there were spaces where we were not included. How are you guys organized? Do you have specific roles? Yes, we we kind of do. And it's it, for a long while, I feel like it was unsaid. People just... We kind of just stepped into these roles and I'm not always sure what my role is, but <laughs> I think I'm here I, for support. <laughs> I think I kind of care. Well, put us all in a grouping. Um, Megan is very much so the creative director behind everything. Um, she'll be like, hey, we're going to Vegas. This is our Vegas vision board. This is kind of the shoots we want to look, you know, send this to a mod so we can kind of recreate these moments and make it our own. Nikki is, she has the flexibility to be 100% invested into this every single moment of the day. So she's very, like, if we get an email, <laughs> if she gets an email in or on our influence and in color, she's like, oh, my God, we got to respond now. She's helping, you know, making sure we post every single moment and doing stories, which are things that sometimes 
the other three of us cannot do. And I, I've been saying that Brandy is more of like, not legal, but like making sure the brand is happening. She's like, we got to get our website. We got to get, you know, everyone needs like Shay at InfluencingInColor.com. We need to get our Influencing Color LLC. Like we got to get this whole business ramped up. Shay, where's your LLC? Megan, like really staying on top of us. And I think that for me, like I've just always, and I got this from my mom, like just being very execution driven so like if you're going to do something like I'm going to make a list I'm going to get it done we're going to like we want to do influencing color we're going to do influencing color I don't know how but we're going to make it happen so I kind of organize everything for like fashion week I'm the person that's like on excel creating like a form saying like we're going to be at this place at this time and we got to leave at this time but now we have Channing our new Personal assistant, yes, so a new addition. <laughs> also, Shay's being very modest yeah. about how in depth she is and how thorough she is. I mean, we will get to places and there will be chill drinks in the room and flowers and slippers, house and shoes. Yes, like she's <laughs> thought of everything, and I don't know how she does, but it's innate and it's in her. Like she was saying, it's obviously something she learned very early on. But we are taken care of. I can go in my email and look at a schedule that I didn't have to create. Because Shay has done it. And you guys are all still working other jobs or not? I am. Yeah. I'm the only one that's full-time at the moment. Yeah. I still teach elementary school full-time. And I am a personal stylist. What has been the most exciting partnership so far? This one. This one? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Of course. like to know it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Do you guys feel like you're on a high right now? You know what? I feel like, and I tell the girls all the time, like, Sometimes we have to sit down and be like, just take it all in. And I think that we're so humble about things that sometimes we don't like to, it's not bragging, but we don't like to like talk about our success. But then it sometimes it's like, guys, we got to like kind of sit down and be like, we're kind of doing the damn thing. I don't know if I can say the word, but like, you know, and even though we always say like, we're not doing this for us and our game we're doing it for all women of color but like the harder we work and the more we put into this and you know the great jobs and working with you guys on this platform you know is giving other women of color opportunity and that's what makes us like so excited at the end of the day also I think that it's yeah it's a high but we have so many more goals that outside of just this that we want to accomplish as influencing in color, not even just in the influencer space. Like, I mean, our give back events, we want that to get bigger. We want it to be like on a national, global, like we are, this is like the tip of the iceberg, I guess, so to speak. So we're planning on much bigger things. When you think about the vision for influencing in color, can you guys verbalize that? It's so deep. <laughs> no, it's, it's a really, I feel like it's something that, of course, when you look at the imagery, you see it. But there's not always a word for it. There's it's not a movement. Always, yeah. It's, it's a, a movement. It's a feeling. It's an inner beauty. It's an inner confidence. It's from the education standpoint, there's teaching happening. And I think that's really what one of the major goals is to have that educational element where we are teaching, helping, and being um, a real deep part of the community that we're a part of. What are some expansion plans that you guys have discussed? We actually want to start branding. We want to start selling merchandise. And then we kind of have this group joke, hashtag scroll up. So <laughs> we've been trying to like find a way to kind of bring that to life, even if we kind of like keep it to ourselves at first. But definitely we're going to expand and like start a brand and start selling our own merchandise. So that's something that we kind of have on the radar for later. Is scroll up the same thing as swipe up? No. no. It's no. an inside joke. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me let me just clarify it. So Nikki and I are always on our phone like this in our influencing in color group chat. We're like, okay, okay. Megan goes MIA all the time. Okay. And then Brandy's like, I'm teaching. I can't be on my phone. I'm teaching. And me and and so they come back and they're like, Hey, we saw this email on this contract and we're like they're asking us questions about it. We're like, scroll up in the group chat. All the information is there. So we're not telling you any information anymore. Scroll up. So when somebody comes in and they have a question, hashtag scroll, scroll up. up. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that people don't understand about diversity inclusion? I feel like the misconception is that, again, it's 
not inclusive. If I say we'd love to see um, or that we have this group influencing in color and every single picture that we post is of four black women that a woman of a different ethnicity can't come in and be a part of it. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. And, you know, a lot of times when you see pages, there are so many pages that I follow where I don't see women, black women that look like me. Do I feel a little bit excluded? I mean, I feel like I don't see women like me, but I also don't feel like it's always intentional or that they're doing it as a brand because they don't like me or they don't like women that look like me. I mean, there may be some brands that do that, but there are also brands that just don't understand or that are really speaking to their particular customer at the moment. You know, um, so I think the misconception is that it's not inclusive if you see the four of us when, again, it is inclusive. It's just that we are the face and we are influencing in color and we're the face of it. You know, I think um, in general, I think one thing that is a misconception about it is that you can just bring in one or two people of color and that that's enough. And that's from across a different spectrum of, of people that are, you know, people of color. I think it's important for it to really be at the root of a brand or a business and part of the core values that they see the value in connecting to all of their customers because everybody buys stuff. In fact, everybody buys a lot of stuff like consumerism is at an all time, you know, you know, it's where it is. So to speak to only a fraction of the people who hold the purchasing power in that supporting your brand, I think it's almost, it's a misstep. And I think it's important for, you know, go back to the, the core of your company. And is that a part of your core values to, to speak to all of your customers? And this is not even like, like, are you talking to everybody who is, is buying your product? If you guys were consulting for a brand who wanted to either better execute on or better understand the opportunity, what are some pieces of advice that you would give them? I would say it also starts with who's working at the company. Like, is everyone represented? Is everyone sitting at the board meeting? Is everyone, you know, other all races have even ethnicities, um, religion? Like, do you have a voice and a representation at your company that can speak on behalf of other backgrounds and if you if the answer to that is no then how can you truthfully go out and sell a product to a market you know what I mean and say that you are diverse or is it just a checkbox so I think it honestly starts with the hiring process um, so hi HR to all the companies out there um, but I mean you honestly have to start and I mean there's I have my master's degree and I feel like there's so many women of color that have, you know, that are smart, went to college, even if you don't go to college, like we have something to offer and we, we have a voice. And I think that on the hiring process, like hire us, we're available. Also, that we need the opportunity. um, Also that we're not, we're not one dimensional, you know, just like we sat here and all four of us shared a different story. All of us have something else to relate to that can relate to any woman. I mean, any person, you know, it's not we just don't sell hair care products. I mean, we can be um, hired for a campaign or something else for several different reasons, for kids, for teaching, for master's degrees, for pay less. They're not in business anymore, but (laughs) (laughs) Megan would have been a great spokesperson for pay less. (laughs) But, you know, for several different reasons, we are not one dimensional. And just like anyone else, we are relatable also. Okay, lightning round. Uh-oh. Oh, I'm so okay. excited. Let's do it. I want to know how to pose like I I see. There's you, you want us to that. get up? You want us to do it? <laughs> okay. Okay, well, let's teach everybody. Teach me, but teach everybody else because it looks so cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. First thing you have to do is like think about the personalities of the, you know, who you're posing with and whatever you do needs to be true to who you are. I, I say this all the time. We shoot and all that kind of stuff and we all shoot our images in a very different way and I have tried to shoot like Shay before I have tried to shoot like Nikki shoot like Megan before and it does not work for me so whatever you do in that image make sure that it is something that people when they see it would be like oh yeah that's totally a brandy thing so stay true to who you are when you pose like don't do anything like weird (laughs) my line is the the full committal y'all know I'm the queen of committing fully if you actually look at some of our pictures I usually am doing something very (laughs) in our group pictures 
it's just a full commitment. Sometimes it's a little too much, you know, in comparison to like everybody else. But I would say commit fully to whatever you're going to do. I guess that's right in line with staying true to yourself. But yeah, commit all the way to the shot. And it looks like you're not like posed. You're moving. Yes, you always move. You've got to you've got to move. I I don't like a a still shot. You've got to walk, you've got to move. Also, um I get into the rhythm of the camera clicks. Like every every click is a pose, 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 pose. Depending on how fast like for us a mod is shooting or what type of content or picture like for example, I guess the one that we just did with Free People Movement it's free people movement. So we wouldn't actually stand still, you know? So basically we just moved. <laughs> yeah. Let, keep can moving. We, can we backtrack a second? Yeah. So when we shoot, Nikki talks. I do. <laughs> the entire I shoot. absolutely do. So I'm like obviously five foot. And if I'm like shooting, she's in the background. She's like, Shay, you better be a five foot goddess, That's black right. vision yes. girl. You better turn. <laughs> you better work. And That's I'm right. like, and you know, I'm just like, yes. okay. And I talk to myself, too, because I feel like I go into like a um, I don't know. I like I get into a mood based on what I have on. So I just kind of talk to myself. If I have on leopard, I'm like, yes, you better be a leopard in the tree growling or like if I have on, you better catch that wind, catch that. You know, I like wind. I like movement. So I have to talk to myself to kind of hype myself up. Next time I shoot, I'm going to picture Nikki in my ear being like, do it, girl. You are a yeah, six foot exactly. leopard. Exactly. That's what yeah. she did. That's right. Yes. <laughs> what, what would you say to Amber exactly. if she was shooting? What would you say? I said, you better work that red fire, amazing hair. Yeah. You better swipe up screenshot on light to know it and be fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I heard there was a New York throwdown. Oh, oh yeah okay. yeah okay there yeah i'm like what we were like which one <laughs> <laughs> what happened there might be more stories than yeah I actually megan you tell yes, the story need to tell she needs story. to tell the story so we were shooting outside of beauty in essex and it was a huge group of us um so we kind of like when we get when we start shooting like we really get into it so we were walking down the street walking across the street and then all of a sudden like i'm just like kind of eyeing the area that we've left our stuff and so I see this guy going through my purse and I lose it immediately. I didn't even think, I didn't even react. I didn't say anything. I just kind of like just took off running toward the area, like where my purse was on the ground. And I just started going off and I was just yelling and saying some things. <laughs> and I was, I became like totally fearless at this point. Like I could have gotten hurt. But that that didn't cross my mind. What crossed my mind was like you going through my bag and you invading my personal privacy. You don't know me and you're like going through my stuff trying to take it. And so once the girls saw me running, like they ran and then it just became like this huge thing. And we we actually lived it. Didn't we go on live? I had it on live. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was just it was crazy. I I didn't even think I just kind of like just splurged and that is where we saw probably for, for the, the first, first time, time the real 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 Megan <laughs> we were like oh you cannot play games with her she does not play it's a real Beaumont I, it's crazy because I'm always the quietest one probably the shyest one but I have that side of me that just comes out and if you know me you know and if you don't there it is <laughs> And it wasn't so much, it wasn't really a brawl. It was actually, the guys were in our bags, like, trying to steal our stuff. Like, there were several different girls' bags out there. And actually, um, one of the photographers actually got a hold of him before he left and found out that he had actually stolen someone's phone yeah. out of one of the bags. So it wasn't necessarily a fight as it was a attempt to, like, regain our property. Yeah. It was kind of, it was crazy because actually, I think the guys were kind of, they were drunk. And so that was just kind of something like they were just not even thinking about. Like they just saw a bag there and they just went for it. Luckily, they didn't run because I would have probably broken my ankle, but I didn't care. (laughs) Okay, what are each of your superpowers? Oh, you know what? My husband was asked this um, one day and I absolutely think that one of my superpowers is the ability to stretch a dollar. That's a good one. I don't know if it's like a superpower, but I think the ability to juggle my life. I'd say it's a superpower. That's a superpower. (laughs) Because my life is like this all the time. 
on the fashion front, I would say my superpower is to mix prints, patterns, and colors like nobody's business. Like I'm the print queen. I'm the color queen. Everybody knows it. Everybody tells me I don't have to second guess myself on any of that. I got that. I'm covered. (laughs) I got all that covered. I think my superpower could possibly be just like me being a creative visual person. Um, I like looking at design, whether it's like the design of my site or, you know, how, like Shay was mentioning earlier, like me creating a vision board for everything that we do. I just visually see everything like as a creative aspect. Like I, I love just making things up aesthetically and making them look beautiful. So. Are there any other like to know it accounts that you guys love or follow? Constantly Kay and Vicky and the Kid. I love Vicky and the Kid. Um, I love Somewhere Lately and I love all the women of color that's on actually on the app. I support all of them. I like, comment, save. Yeah. Ooh, I just thought of mine. Finding Paola. You know Paola. I love that's my favorite. And even in person, man, I can't wait to go to Austin. She is like she's like my favorite. Do you know her? her. Hilarious. She's a gem. She's like she is queendom. (laughs) Queen. Yes. Yes. Okay, what is in your toolkit? So any sort of like apps, tips, tricks, way you delegate, like what are the little tips and tricks that we can take that you guys are always using? Um, for one, um, have like a mobile version of your your blog platform like if it's blogger or wordpress or whatever always have it on your phone you know so that you can blog and post and you know from your phone like i I have my computer but i don't like need it need it lightroom we all have lightroom for our presets and for imagery the reward style and the like to know it app yep (laughs) i use those all day every day to shop and then also to link what I'm wearing so I batch kind of my content like last night I shot a bunch of stuff before we before I got ready to come here and I basically draft it and load it all up and link everything at one time so that when I'm out on the go and I need to post a picture I don't have to be like oh my god I don't have those boots in there and I don't have to go through link ninja and finding it and getting on wi-fi and all that so I basically draft all my stuff so that it's it's easy. I also draft my Instagram posts sometimes. Like if I know I'm going to be busy that week, I'll draft the caption. I'll draft all of that. Keep it saved in there. And then um, when it's time to post, I just press post. I would say probably reward style is like one of my favorite ones too to use because I like to kind of like scroll through comments if there's like a big blogger that I'm following. And, you know, oftentimes they don't get to share like where they got something from. So I'm stalking comments and if it's not there, I'm like, okay, like to know it there. They just posted that link. So I go straight there because I'm literally shopping every single day, sadly. (laughs) But um, and of course, like we all have our own individual presets, like we have an IIC preset, and then we have our individual ones as well. So I would say Lightroom is definitely a one that I love to use all the time for editing. And then I actually do have the the Tezza app too. I love the Tezza app. Yeah. And now that she's like added the video filters and like the vintage kind of uh, deal that you can add on there too. That's kind of like another one of my go-to apps as well. And VSCO. I don't know if it's Visco, but I just say Visco. That's also another one of my like all-time favorite apps as well. And then what app are you guys using to communicate with each other? I message. I message. <laughs> Apple. Yeah. Group text. Start it with the group text. <laughs> what would catapult this project into orbit? I think the support and yeah, the support of the followers. Is that what I would call, say? The the followers or the consumers, the people in the app or the, the um, people who don't use the app that are now new to it and that would love to watch us grow and also grow themselves, whether they um, opt into uh, the reward style platform or are already a like to know it user. I think that that would really catapult actually everyone, not just us. That's for everybody. I think too, as influencing in color, one of the things that we see all the time is that like women of color don't support women of color. And in order for us to grow and be seen at more places and be invited to Rewards Delvacon, which is like the place that obviously every influencer wants to go to, but they have to support us on the app, like Nikki said, and have to shop and show like, okay, we want to see more women of color invited to these, you know, 
events, but in order for us to be there, it's sales-driven. In order for us to make sales, you have to support us on these apps and these platforms. So I think followers or anybody, like, if you follow anyone and you really love them, like, support them on whatever platform they're on so that way they can continue to grow their business. And they also can be a representation. I've heard an influencer the other day was talking to me and she said it made me so bad. I was sitting on an airplane and somebody was on their Instagram and they were just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And they, and they would look and study photos and zoom in and zoom out and read all the comments and not hit like. Exactly. Like, you are not helping me. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's what it is. We all say like, comment, share. Like that's the biggest way to support your favorite influencers to support us. You know, if you're watching the stories and there's a swipe up, swipe up. Hashtag swipe up scroll up whatever but you have to double tap um you know and save that that is the biggest way to support us and also using our affiliate links i think also um for people who are not influencers or you know other brands um, i feel like it's the same thing just embrace the vision embrace what we're doing and you sharing, like Amber, you you know, you have us on this platform. You are an early adopter um, sharing the vision and you doing that is to, is helping to bring, you know, bring what we're doing to more people. So even if you, you know, are not a woman of color or a person of color, but you support us doing this and you support us being in different places, if you support the idea of what we're doing, it's just as important that you step up and share and like and support the content as well I mean yeah you don't want to just look at it and say that's a really really impactful powerful beautiful image of those girls and just keep going <laughs> like get in there like comment save scroll share support you know just just do all of that and that's for that's for everybody across the board what I can say though Amber when you like our pictures she's like oh my god Amber just liked our like all of your pictures <laughs> we're like oh my god Amber just and we're like screenshotting and circling and putting in our IIC chat so we really heart. yeah we really do appreciate you supporting us though like seriously like you are like like she said like early on supporting us me and Nikki being in the book was like we're not gonna even go back there because I'm not gonna yes, cry I so cry <laughs> Shay, Megan, Brandy, Nikki, what you guys have done is has started a movement. I truly believe that and I already see the beginnings of it. And I really think as we reflect back on 2019, we'll be able to point at, at this is the year that the movement started. And I think we'll be able to look back in, in, in years to come and just see all of the fruits of the seeds that you guys are planting. So thank you for coming on Like to Know an Influencer Radio. <laughs> Do you guys have a nickname for the project or is it always influencing in color? Or is there like a little one, two, three? I, I see. <laughs> to shop IIC's everyday looks, power suits, and everything in between, follow them in the Like to Know It app at Influencing in Color. I'd also suggest that you follow their individual accounts. You can follow Shay at Shay Monet, Nikki at New Texicali, Megan at Style for Breakfast, and Brandy at Authentically.beef. The Like to Know It app is the only place where you can go to search for products and get 100% shoppable results, all in the context of the lives of real, influential people who use those products. Search for products like trench coat, over-the-knee boots, stroller, white marble table, and get results from real people who use them. Like to Know It product search gives you an incredible contextual experience that cannot be found anywhere else. Join our community by downloading the Like to Know It app on the App Store and Google Play.